You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. My name is Mark King, host of your Locked On Grizzlies podcast. I also cover the Grizzlies at grizzlybearblues.com. The assistant editor over there, so you can see all my stuff at grizzlybearblues.com. But also make sure you follow me on Twitter at King underscore producer. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Grizzlies. You can talk with me, ask me questions, tell me what you hate about the show, tell me what you love about the show. But first, in this episode of Locked On Grizzlies, first I make today, we're gonna recap that amazing win against the Bucks last night. That was uh, it was really impressive. Uh, the Grizzlies win one sixteen to one thirteen. Second segment of the show, we're gonna be very quickly rookie update see how our rookies stack up against the other rookies in the league this will be basically jaron jackson jr although yuda watanabe got in the game last night honestly i thought that jevin carter were getting the game before yuda would but here we are uh but it'll be mostly jaron jackson since the other two rookies really haven't played and in the last segment of the show we'll talk with joe mellon site manager of grizzlybearblues.com my boss and he will give us his opinions on the grizzlies up until this point of the year uh, but first, let's talk about that win. The Grizzlies win 116-113 over the Bucks. Uh, we talked about the podcast earlier. I didn't think that this would didn't think it would happen. Uh, but here we are, and I'm excited to be wrong. It's impressive the fact that the Grizzlies uh, won this game. They, the, you know, when the Grizzlies offense show up, they're they're a really good team. Uh, their defense is so good. But you know, when they actually get offense, when Mike and Mark are playing well. And they get some offense from a few other players. I mean, they are scary good. Um, they went toe to toe with this Bucks team and really never even backed down. I mean, most teams fold on that on the against that the, the Bucks team, but they they most certainly did not. And it was impressive to see them really uh, on a stage that in, in a level that I don't think we've seen them too many times this year. They they did really um, they did really well against the Bucks team. I didn't we didn't see Jaron Jackson Jr. a lot. I think he only put like. 19 minutes um you know i think that's because uh you know he just um didn't really match up with Giannis that much i mean the grizzlies actually ended up playing the closing lineup of um the same lineup they played against the jazz and we talked about this the other day it's a, it's a product of you know what happens in the in the game the grizzlies close with the exact same lineup with Kyle Anderson out there and guess what the Grizzlies wins and no one's talking about how Jaron Jackson Jr. was on the bench late and not playing in the game. So, um, you know, we, we talked about that and how it, you know, it really is just a product of the environment and what happens when teams win or lose. And they did the exact same thing this time. And I still think that this is the exact same decision you would have made against their type of lineup. And, and it works out for you. It ended up working out for you. Now it took Mike Collin to make one hell of a shot at the end of regulation to, uh, to get it done, but that's what Mike Conley does. He is a player that makes shots. I mean, he 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 is an when he's playing at that all star level, he's a player that makes shots. And so it was really impressive to see him to to play like that. Uh, Marcus All, Mike Conley again were just amazing. Uh, Conley hit that hit that uh, runner or I guess falling away shot uh, kind of runner in the lane there. Um, but Marcus All ten of eighteen, six from twelve for three, uh, five. Excuse me, yeah. Five rebounds, two assists, a steal, block, just 29 points. Just amazing. Uh, Mike Conley, nine for 16, four assists, two steals, 26 points. Again, impressive. Um, the Grizzlies, I think they hit 11 threes this game. Kyle Anderson did some things, six points, eight rebounds, five assists, a block. Was was really good on defense. Um, you know, you really need him to step up more on the offensive end. And I think once you get him better in a better sp- space where you're using him better, um, I think it really becomes – 
uh, a different team as well. Uh, Temple, three for nine, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, 11 points. Not bad, but that's really all you need from Garrett Temple overnight. You need 10, 13 points a night. That's what you need from Garrett Temple. You You don't need him to score 17, 20, 25 points a night. That's not what you need from him. But you do need a solid, solid role player that can get you 10 to 13 points a night. Shelvin Mack was 5 from 12, 3 from three from 6 from 3, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, 15 points. It was really, really good. Um, you know, that's what you need from Shelvin Mack. I mean, you don't need him to score 25 points, but if Temple and Shelvin Mack are giving you 10 to 15 points a night, I mean, that that goes a long way to, to uh, correcting your offensive woes that we've talked about on this podcast. Um, the Grizzlies were really in control of this game for, for most of the night, oddly. I mean, they... Uh, the the Bucks had a twenty five to four run in the third quarter and got back in it, uh, took the lead. Uh, the Grizzlies tried to close the third quarter with uh, Mark and Mike on the bench. It didn't work uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. Uh, they came back with Mark and Mike right at the end, and then throughout the fourth quarter, and then the rest was history. But the Grizzlies were able to give the Bucks their first home loss of the season, which is just just damn impressive. That game was just impressive all around. Um, and we've talked about it on this podcast when they get their offense together. Man, they they look like a different team than they did against that Jazz team. So uh, several games in a row we've seen this this version of Mike Conley. He's been very very good. Um, it's impressive to see what they can be if they get once they get Ami Cassie back and get a, few, a little bit more wing depth back. You know, as we've said it before before the start of the season, if Mark and Mike are good, if they're playing like this. This is a really good team, you know, regardless of what some of the other people are doing. They're going to have to have help. But, you know, when they're playing like this, they are so good. But coming up next on the show, in the second segment of the show, every Thursday, every Thursday in the middle segment of the show, we're going to do what we kind of did yesterday, but it will be our rookie update. We'll check in with our rookie, Jaron Jackson Jr., to see how he stacks up against the rest of the rookies in the league. So let's do that after the break. Coming up before the end of the show, in the last segment, we're going to talk with Joe Mullenix, site manager at grizzlybearblues.com. You can find all of his stuff at grizzlybearblues.com. Actually, follow him on Twitter, at Joe Mullenix. Uh, really, really uh, good dude. I, I really appreciate him coming on the show, but we'll talk with him at the last segment of the show. But this segment, we're going to do a rookie update with Jaron Jackson Jr. So Jaron Jackson Jr. is actually currently seventh among rookies at, in points at 11 and a half. He's actually tied with, with, with Wendell Carter. Uh, minutes played is 25.2, which uh, honestly is a little higher than I thought it would be. But uh, that's good for eighth among rookies. Rebounds, he's at five per game, which is good for seventh among rookies. And we're just kind of running through this. There's not a whole lot we can uh, uh, this early on that are established, but we'll see the same thing. I'll run through these stats, and then we'll talk a little bit about them at the end. Offense rebounds, he has 21 so far. Often, uh, just Offensive rebounds total. 21 so far. That's sixth in the uh, sixth in the NBA, which is uh, about I think about where you expect him to be. I think actually thought he might be a little higher in that uh, category, um, but considering you know he's seventh in rebounds, it makes sense. Steals, he's actually third among all rookies for total amount of steals, which he has 12. Um, that was actually uh, that was more than I thought it would be. But I mean that's impressive. Uh, in blocks, he's actually 22 blocks and about right where you think he should be. He's third in rookies. Um, so it, it's impressive to see him uh, uh, be that high in steals. I think he really needs to work on his rebounding a little bit more, something that we, you know, something I've noticed about him and 
his teammates is that he gets really good post position early on. I think he needs to uh, be rewarded for that. So I, I really hope that Mike and Mark and the guys, the wing guys making post pass, see him um, early on to give him that that reward for going and getting early post play against his opponents. And I think that will uh, his his points will skyrocket. His minutes, I think they're probably right where they should be. Twenty five minutes a game. That's right where they should be for a team that's trying to win now, but also trying to develop a rookie. Uh, a rookie might add that has come along further than I thought it would be at this point, but still rookie no less. So that's about right where you need to be. Uh, rebounds, that's got to go up. He's got to be have. I think he's got to average more than five rebounds a game, um, especially if you're going to be a typical center in the NBA. You have to average five, five more than five rebounds. Um, offensive rebounds, that's I think that's whatever, but rebounds, you have to get in there and rebound the ball, especially for a team that – needs rebounding, and needs it badly. Uh, and in blocks and steals, okay, honestly, steals is a surprise. Blocks is where you think it should be. He's only 18% from three. I'd like to see that go up up to at least like around 30%. Uh, he's only taking like 2.3 threes a game. So um, he's got to take the threes more when he's open. But also, the Grizzlies have to do a better job of getting him open spots. I'd like to see them have that pick and pop they do with Marc Gasol. That would be perfect for him to see how see how well he does in that situation. Uh, around the arc. Now, you know, you, you put him in that pick and pop and that pulls him away from the basket. So you're going to sacrifice rebounds there. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what they do there. And I think that's probably why they're using him in the pick and roll so much is to get him towards the basket, going towards basket, and hopefully getting some offensive rebounds and getting easy buckets. But that's our rookie update for this Thursday middle segment of the show. Coming up next in the next segment, we will talk to Joe Mullenix, site manager of grizzlybearblues.com. You can find all of his stuff on grizzlybearblues.com. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Mullinix. Welcome back to the show. My conversation with Joe Mullinix. Uh, I really appreciate him coming on the show. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Mullinix. He is the site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. Super smart guy. Talked with him all things Grizzlies. Here's that conversation now. All right. Welcome back to the show again. Uh, Mark King here for Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, I've got a special guest tonight. Uh, first time for the podcast. First week. I thought it was fitting to have uh, my ball site manager of the grizzlybearblues.com, Joe Moaning song. What's going on, Joe? Oh, boss. That's, that's a term that's so hard <laughs> to throw around. I view us as a team over at GPB, and this is my first time on Locked on Grizzlies with you as the host. Congratulations, Mark, on the new gig. A very cool opportunity for you, and, and I'm always happy to see GBBers going out and doing big things. This is just another example of that. So congrats, Mark, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a fun week so far. It's been uh, getting used to the uh, daily podcast life, but uh, you know, so far so good. But I I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to talk some Grizzlies with you just to, just in general, really about some of the things that have happened uh, throughout the season. Uh, and the first thing I want to get to is the Dylan Brooks injury. I've talked about it uh, for two two days in a row, pretty much. Uh, how I think it's probably a, a bigger deal than most people most people. Uh, uh, are letting on or most people probably believe but how do you think this injury affects the Grizzlies I think it's a huge deal and I'm not quite sure why people would think it, it, it wouldn't um, be a big deal I guess one of the interesting things one of the subplots of the season so far is the minimizing of Dylan Brooks uh, at least in terms of what I thought his role would be going into this campaign he did so well on such a bad team last year you'd think that he'd be given an opportunity. You know, it's not like Marshawn Brooks who came in for seven games on a team that really was bad, uh, blatantly tanking and put up numbers. You know, he was consistently solid in multiple areas 
and showed improvement throughout the course of a season that got worse as it uh, grinded along. So I thought that they would reward Dylan with an opportunity to be the starter, and that just never kind of materialized. Either he got beat out by Garrett Temple or that was never even the plans. Um, but I think Dylan Brooks is important, especially with the second unit and, of course, against Milwaukee as we record this. Um, the, the second unit is doing okay with Dylan tonight. But it's so hit or miss with this Grizzlies offense, and on any given night they can go ice cold. And if Mark and Mike aren't scoring the basketball for you, I mean, Dylan Brooks to me was just as good of an option as any to be somebody that could get hot or try to even consistently be a, a 42 to 44% from the floor guy, give you 10 to 12 points a night. They need every bucket they can get right now. Uh, I'm concerned about it. I think that it's something that in the long run is going to hurt them, especially as more and more miles get put on the tires on uh, as the season goes along for guys like Mark and Mike. I mean, they're going to wear down at some point in terms of at least physical fatigue. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, uh, they needing every every shot they can get. I mean, we looked at, a, at this team early in the year, and it was a team that we thought uh, could play 11 you know, 10, 11, 12 guys that all had potential to get minutes on this team. And now you're looking at a game against the Utah Jazz the other night that they only play eight. Um, and the wings that they did have with Omri Caspi and Chandler Parsons or they, the theoretical wings, the, the wing depth that they did have is, is now pretty much gone. Your wing depth is Marshawn Brooks and Wayne Selden. Uh, what do the Grizzlies do? To, what do they have to do to be able to get offense from the second unit? Is that is that I going out to get somebody, or is that just changing the way they're playing? I wouldn't go out and get anybody, at least not yet. I think you want to leave your roster flexibility open there. Um, I, I do think that you look at this team and you look at that second unit, first and foremost, I find a hard time understanding why J.B. Bickerstaff would ever have Mark and Mike both off the floor at the same time. Um, I understand that they play really well together. Uh, it's crystal clear that the Grizzlies are at their best when both of those guys are playing well on the floor as a unit. But at the same time, they're, they're, they're your two best players. And you would hope that they would be able to, without the other, still have some semblance of uh, effective play. So that makes me nervous when they're both sitting on the bench. I think that is a detriment to the team. But on a grander scale, even if you want to continue using that rotation pattern, you have to find ways with ball movement and facilitation to, to replace traditional scoring in the aggregate. It, you can't allow for a Kyle Anderson, who is essentially a, a net loss when it comes to shooting the ball because he's inefficient. I mean, right now he is, but over the course of his career, he's not a terrible shooter, especially inside the three-point line. But what he is is he's kind of just averse to doing it. He doesn't necessarily want to be that scorer, be that guy. Don't put him in a spot where he has to feel the need to to not be as big of a part of the offense. Let him be the primary ball care or the ball handler. Let him be the the first guy initiating offense. You know, put him in a position to be successful. Let Jaron Jackson Jr. eat a little bit more. Let him run the floor in transition. Let him be a guy in the pick and pop and pick and roll who, who gets a little bit more opportunity. Find guys and put them in positions where they're going to be most successful and don't allow for them to kind of go by the wayside and stand off in the corner or put together a half-hearted pick. Whatever your system is, and again, Bickerstaff has done a good job building around Mark and Mike, I think it's fair to say, you have to allow for guys like a Kyle Anderson, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., they have to be put into spots where they're going to maximize their skill sets. Same thing with Garrett Temple, same thing with Marshawn Brooks and Wayne Selden, as you mentioned, the wing depth 
being as it is right now, you have to put these guys in places where their weaknesses are not going to be as negative as their positives are going to be, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, positive. You know, you, you want those net gains, and you have to do that through movement. You have to do that through understanding angles and scouting of defensive folks. And you have to do that through protecting possessions. And I think Memphis, for the most part, has done a good job of that this year. Like we mentioned before, every bucket counts. And for the Grizzlies, they can't afford bad turnovers because every bucket lost is, you know, the difference between 92 points and 90 points. And on a consistent basis, if that's how Memphis is going to win, it hurts you to lose every possible scoring opportunity. Yeah, you mentioned that in, the, in that Jazz game, the they were um, out out offensive rebounded by I think six, uh, five or six, uh, which all led to almost all of them led to points, and they had sixteen turnovers. For, but not that just had sixteen turnovers; they had sixteen turnovers for twenty four points. So, right. like you said, it's it, there's turnovers and then there's bad turnovers. Uh, and you mentioned that they really had to lament those. But you mentioned something about Jaron Jackson and, and, and also Kyle Anderson. We'll get to him. But I think it's important to note about Jaron is that for Jaron to – he's never going to be highlighted in this offense, not with Mark and Mike around. It's just – I don't think that's practical. So Jaron has to get his points in different ways. But one thing I've noticed, and I'm sure you have as well, that Jaron really is doing a really good job of getting himself positioned early in the shot clock, really deep in the post – and for some reason whatsoever, Mark and Mike or whomever's out there, just they don't look at him right away, don't give him the ball right away. Um, do you think that they need to uh, either showcase Jaron more or just try to make him – just try to find him in better spots to get him more – I think you know, part of – Because they're, they're going to need him regardless for offensive points, production. They're going to need it from him every night. Of course. And I think that one of the reasons they probably don't feed him is they don't trust him yet. You know, And I think that that is something that – if you've watched this team for a while, as I know you have, and obviously I have at this point, and you watch Mark and Mike play, I mean, we've watched hundreds of Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley basketball games. They value trust, knowing that if you get the opportunity or if you are in the post or if you're in whatever situation you may be in on the offensive end, you're going to make the right basketball play. I don't think they trust – excuse me. I don't think they trust that Jaron is going to do that yet. And that directly impacts the touches that Jaron is able to get. Now, I would be hopeful that Bickerstaff would find ways to feature uh, Jaron, especially when Mark isn't in and you can move Jaron Jackson to his more natural position of the five. And you see lineups like Shelvin Mack, Mike Conley, uh, Garrett Temple, Kyle Anderson, and Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, those are those are pretty impactful lineups, or at least in terms of potential with the facilitation that we talk about. And with Jaron at that more natural, modern five spot, he can be that role man. He can be that pick and roll guy. And to be honest with you, put him on the elbow. Let's see what he can do. It all comes down to your definition of success. Yeah. Memphis is currently above 500 and they appear to be a playoff team, but we got a lot of basketball to play and you have to have a broader a broader view than just the here and now. You don't want to stifle the development of your prized rookie because you want to, you know, win two more games and go 42 and 40 instead of 40 and 42. I think that they need to play the long game here. Now, and if we're being honest with each other, that's not what they're doing. Um, they're, they're trying to be as competitive as they can be, and it makes sense, at least from that perspective, why they're using Jaron the way they are. But I really do hope 
that as they get more comfortable with him, and as Jaron gets more comfortable in the NBA, in fairness to the coaching staff, uh, Jaron Jackson's one of the youngest players in the association. As that process continues, it'll be good to see him get opportunities to be featured, uh, to get a chance to take guys off the dribble in mismatches, to take a guy in the post, as you mentioned earlier, to do more pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop kind of combination things, whether it's with Conley, Shelvin Mack, Garrett Temple, whoever it might be, even Kyle Anderson in the slowest pick-and-roll ever. Um, <laughs> whoever those guys might be alongside Jaron, he's only going to continue to adjust and adapt to the NBA game with reps. And reps as a focal point of the offense will only help the Grizzlies in the long run. It might lead to an extra turnover or two in, in the here and now. And again, that's not the best way for Memphis to win here and now. But you're also trying to look ahead to two or three years from now when Marcus and Mike Conley may not be here. Jaron Jackson is most likely still going to be here. And you're trying to build an offense and a team that's going to be able to count on him to be the man that Mark and Mike are right now. So at some point, you got to let the kid have a little bit of opportunity beyond being that role player for Mark and Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that they're going to have to look for. I mean, he's open. I mean, he's, he, especially in that one instance, he's open a lot right away. If you can deliver it to him, he's literally under the basket. I think that will help. But that sure. goes a long way just for easy, you know, easy buckets. And that's something that this Grizzlies team needs is, is easy offense because as of right now, they are uh, almost dead last at, uh, in points per game. So um, they're going to, if, if they're going to have a defense that's good, they're going to have to have a above a average or above average offense to make any uh, run in the playoffs. But uh, a, a few more, and I'll get you out of here. But is this is this where you thought the Grizz at this point in the season? Is this where you thought the Grizzlies would be seven and five? They're a little bit better. I mean, they're a little bit better than I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be what are they seven and five right now? Obviously, with the yep. Bucks game going on as we record, so. I thought six and six, five and seven. I thought they would have dropped one of those Utah games in addition to the one that they lost recently and, and maybe one more somewhere else. Uh, maybe Denver would be a, a natural, logical one to point at. Again, as I've said on other on the blog over at com, and you know, having the opportunity to be on a couple of radio shows and other podcasts and season preview season, um, I – I define success for this Grizzlies team as conveying the Boston pick this year. To me, that should be the major goal. Obviously, players don't break down in the huddle saying, convey the pick on three or something like that. But for the long-term health of the Grizzlies organization, I think that is the best move, and I think that they've done a great job making the team competitive enough to convey that pick. Now, there's a variety of ways that that can happen. Of course, if Memphis makes the playoffs – then you're in the postseason again, which obviously everybody will enjoy, and you still convey the pick. So it's a very successful season. But if Memphis goes 39-43, and 43, or maybe a couple games worse than that, and they're still able to send the pick to the Celtics, to me that's a successful season. So I'm extremely happy with where they're at. I like how they're using Mark and Mike, as I mentioned before, the addition of the veterans like Garrett Temple and Shelvin Mack has been solid. I think Kyle Anderson is really fun to watch play. I like how unique his game is. I think it fits in in Memphis really nicely. And I, I he's another guy that's like Jaron Jackson that I think will get more comfortable with reps in the system alongside J.B. Bickerstaff. And I was one of the most vocal critics of the Bickerstaff hiring because there was no set process to interview other candidates. It, it just felt like a foregone conclusion that it was going to be J.B. 
But credit where it's due. He, he's done a good job with this team. Defensively, they're clearly improved. I think that he does have the back of uh, – or the, the guys, excuse me, Mike and Mark especially, do have his back. You can see them playing for uh, Bickerstaff maybe a little bit more completely than they did for uh, Coach Fisdale. And there, there's a lot more positive energy around the team. Now, obviously, with winning, that comes. But at the same time, it just seems like they fit better together. And, and the type that the Grizzlies front office went after, the, the size, the high basketball IQ, all those things that we've been talking about all offseason long and through this first month of the season, all that's paying off. You've got smart guys who understand the scheme and are executing it relatively well. And whenever you're able to do that, that can compensate for being a step slower than the other squad across from you sometimes. And that is one of the main ways that the Grizzlies are unique. They're kind of bucking the trend in a lot of ways around the NBA, and I think that's another reason that they're being competitive. They're different, and that's harder to game plan for than a team that uh, chucks the three and attacks the rim, and that's all they do, offensively at least. Joe, I appreciate you uh, hopping on with me. Uh, and, and for this Locked On Grizzlies podcast for this Thursday episode, man, I, I we'll, we'll do it again next week. How about that? I think that's a great idea. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you having me on, Mark, and congrats again. Thanks again to Joe Molex for joining me. Again, that's Joe Molex at Joe Molex on Twitter, and he's a site manager at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. You can find all this stuff over there. Again, I appreciate him taking the time out and talking with me about the Grizzlies so far this season. But coming up on tomorrow's show, we will talk – about the Kings matchup coming up on Friday night. It's going to be a fun one. They're going to come back to town. Uh, I don't know Zebo's going to be with them. He might already be in Memphis. Uh, last we saw, Zebo was getting paid and wasn't even with the team. So shout out to Zebo for uh, making that money. But um, hopefully they're going to have a guest with me working on getting that now uh, for the to help me preview the game from the Kings side of things, to talk, uh, talk Kings, see what we can learn from their side of things. But again, you can follow me online at King underscore producer. You can follow the show at Locked on Grizz on Twitter. Please uh, send me your notes. If you have something you like, if you have something you don't like, uh, send it to me regardless. Uh, if you hate it, if you love it, let me know, and we'll figure out what works on the show, and we'll keep going. Uh, but again, if you want to be a featured sponsor on this show, please email me at LockedOnGrizz at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, or excuse me, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, or online at LockedOnGrizzlies.com.